A successful retirement plan begins with assembling the right set of tools. Finding the proper ones for the job will allow you to drill down on your goals and nail down your future. Scott Searles, certified wealth strategist and owner of Skybox Financial Group, constructs retirement plans for clients every day and will share that knowledge and insight with you. It's time to open the retirement toolbox Investor and get to work. beware. We're going to be spotting some red flags when it comes to picking an advisor on today's show. Welcome to the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor and president of Skybox Financial Group, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area, but also with an office in Bradenton, Florida. Find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Scott, good to be with you this week. What's going on in your world? Well, Walter, just enjoying summer. It's 95 degrees here today, so uh, it's a toasty one. We picked a hot one to, to, I guess, a good day to stay inside and hit the record button on a podcast, huh? Yeah, that's true. It's funny, though. I got a call yesterday from building management saying that both of the two of the three air conditioning compressors on the roof are busted and uh, maybe a warm one tomorrow, meaning today. Oh, boy. uh, Yeah. So, uh, but I came in here this morning and they seem to be cranking up. It seems to be fine. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, we'll see how they do through the, uh, the rest of the day's taxing, uh, task of keeping, keeping you cool. Exactly. Exactly. Cause that's I guess one thing. This is where not having hair comes in handy, right? Like being able to, the cooling effect on the, on the top of the head works pretty well. That's true. That's, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just think about how much worse in life you'd have it if you had hair, from a heat standpoint at least. Yeah, but, you know, every time I go outside on a sunny day, that bald head of mine burns <laughs> right up. I turn into a lobster like in five minutes. So. Thus the drawback. Thus the drawback. Or when I cut the grass and I hit my head on a tree or something, like a tree branch, yeah, I see everybody sees this big cut on top of my head. See, if I had hair, it'd be hidden. So there, there's pros and cons. There you go. I uh, I have to sidetrack for a moment just because you said, you know, your head would be red as a lobster. Something funny happened to me uh, just the other day. I was trying to log back into, I can't even remember what it was now, some account that I had logged into long, long ago. And it's been, maybe it was like a flight account, like, I don't know, United or something like that. And mm-hmm. I hadn't logged into the rewards program. I wanted to see if I had any miles still floating around out there. And I was having the hardest time getting in because it kept asking me as like the security question, what's your favorite sea animal? And like, and then it gave me a multiple choice list. And I was like, I don't remember which one of these I chose. And so I'm like going through and it's like, don't get it wrong because it's going to lock you out of your account. So I'm going through looking at all these different and I could make like an argument for each one. And I'm trying to trace back to like, okay, was I really into penguins back when I made this or was it or lobster? No, my parents are retiring to Maine and I like lobster and my grandparents live there and Maine is very special to me. So I'm a big lobster fan. I actually have a lobster flag in my office. So I'm like, oh, it could be lobster, but I was known as a kid for being really into penguins, and so I'm like looking through all these different options of sea animals, trying to pick which one uh, which one it was. So it, and it was being, lobster. It ended up being penguin, actually. Oh, lobster, okay. But, yeah, <laughs> you can't I, leave us hanging there. I picked lobster first, and it said no. That's wrong. It did give me another chance to uh, to make a second guest. So now tens of thousands of people <laughs> that listen to this podcast know the answer to one of your security questions. That's right. That's right. Um, Boy, I, I better go turn on two-factor authentication. That's point, right. That's the only one I can ever remember asking me my favorite sea animal, though. So I think my my other accounts might be safe. I've never I've never had favorite sea animal. 
yeah, it was it was just a bizarre one. I was like, I really don't, I really don't remember this. And then I was doing another one this morning. This must be a new thing that's catching on. That was like, what's your pick a picture? Just pick a picture, and it gave me like eight pictures. And it's like, when you log in again in the future, we may ask you to identify this picture again. But they're not of like anything that you would really remember. So like it was a picture of glasses and then a picture of something like a pen and then a picture of something else. I'm like, how am I going to remember that when I come back in here of like, which one was I most likely to choose? You have to reset your password. I will have to probably do that. Yeah, exactly. Just seemed like a very odd turn in the whole world of uh, security type stuff. But I guess that's all about spotting red flags in the login information protection world. And well, we'll do a little bit of that on the show today. We're going to spot some red flags when it comes to picking a financial advisor. I do believe I should win an award for that segue, by the way. That was very good. I'm, I'm going to just call it out and say that that was a, a pretty good one to connect the dots there. Uh, so that's coming up on today's show. We're also going to have a little fun uh, answering a question from Ruth on the program today. And uh, she's got kind of a good plan and a good situation to be in uh, because she doesn't see any way she could possibly spend through her savings during her lifetime. So looking at options you know, beyond that and how else mm-hmm. she can use those funds and that money. So a good position to be in. We're going to talk about some solutions there. Plus, we're going to be talking about some food in our Getting to Know You segment a little bit later on. So let's dive into the main topic here, Scott. And I don't know. I mean, like, um, do you know what red flags, but also some good signs to be on the lookout for when you're searching for an advisor to work with as you prepare for retirement? That's sort of the question we're asking Mm -hmm. today. We're going to give some folks some ideas of what those red flags are, how to spot them, and then sort of illustrate the difference. Maybe this is where you can really help us out, Scott, uh, between an advisor who kind of just is doing that bare minimum versus one who's going above and beyond and working in our best interest and really hitting that fiduciary buzzword that we've talked about on the show in the past as well. Absolutely. So we've got a list of five potential red flags. Let's break them down one by one, Scott. The first one would be an advisor who works with people of all ages and all levels of wealth. Well, that doesn't really sound like a bad thing. Why would that be a potential red flag? Well, you know what, Walter? You can kind of think about, kind of compare this to going to the doctor. When you're having a heart problem, you don't go to see your podiatrist. Or if you're having a heart problem and you go to your general family medicine doctor, he's going to say, whoa, you need a specialist, and he's going to send you to the heart doctor. So you really want an advisor, though it's kind of also that you know know a, a, a few things about a lot of topics kind of scenario. Would you rather have somebody that knows a few things about a lot of things or somebody that knows a lot about the things that are specific to you? And that's where working with an advisor, like for instance, with with me, you know, our firm, we work with people that are about seven to five years to retirement and then in retirement because we specialize in that. We know all the strategies. We know how to to, to work the taxes in retirement and, and, and do all those things. So that's what we specialize in. When I have somebody that comes in, maybe a small business owner or something like that. I have other advisors I refer off to because that's not my thing. I'm not keeping up on all the different topics that relate to them and their situation. I'm focusing solely on 
working with the pre-retirees and the retirees. And, you know, leather, you know, another factor there too is that that level of wealth. I, I think that a lot of advisors when they're first starting out, maybe they're going to saying that, you know, if they can, if the person can fog a mirror, you'll take them as a client kind of thing. Well, I think there reaches a point there when an advisor becomes so specialized that he's he is picky on who he works with and who that firm works with. And you'll want to have a a person that is familiar with dealing with your level of wealth. Sort of the can't be all things to all people kind of mentality or the, uh, you know, uh, what was it, jack of all trades, master of none, that sort of uh, mentality. If you're trying to spread yourself too thin over all these different elements, you're really not specializing in anything. Yep, that's exactly it. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. All right, so be aware. Let that be maybe a little red flag if you've got an advisor that just works with literally everybody who walks through the door. It may feel inclusive and feel good and sound right on the surface, but you can see there might be some detriments behind the scenes to it. Another potential red flag, an advisor who tells you only good news about your financial situation all the time. Well, that's another one that that makes me feel good, Scott. I, I, I don't want to hear the bad news, right? Right, right. I mean, you know, and it's not always going to be rosy good news. You know, when I have clients that come in here or, or people that, that I'm meeting with for the first time and we start going through their situation, there's a lot of times where if they keep doing what they're currently doing, that they're not going to make it. They're not going to be able to retire the way they want. They're not going to be able to... uh you know, pass on a legacy that they want to, for instance, to their children. So, yeah, you can't have an advisor that is always like, hey, you know what, you just, you're going to be fine, just keep saving money, it's going to work. You need somebody that's going to tell you the truth and be honest with you and, and, and lay that out. And that's part of being what a fiduciary is. And sometimes it's telling people hard things or bad things. You know, you need somebody that's going to simply tell you the way it is and say, hey, you know what, if you don't change the, what you're doing, you're not going to be able to retire. And and getting, then having the solutions to get you to where you need to be so you can have that successful retirement. Good points on that one as well. We're talking about these red flags to be on the lookout for when you're picking an advisor, how to tell if you, someone is just doing the minimum for you versus working in your best interest and going above and beyond and uh, telling you like it is an important piece of that advisor relationship. Uh, another red flag potentially is an advisor who uses a lot of technical jargon that you don't understand when talking about your financial situation. Doesn't mean that everything has to be dumbed down, so to speak, Scott, but it can uh, be overwhelming to anybody, right, if you're just hearing term after term after term with no real education behind it? Well, Walter, I always tell everybody, I, I said, a good financial can take all the nerdy stuff and break it down in, in, into a case and an explanation that my daughters can can understand. And, and I think that's super important because when you go to somebody, you I want my clients to be able to be educated, to understand the reason why we're doing what we're doing and the reason why we're investing in this, the reason why we're you know, reducing your income in a year so we can do a Roth conversion. And, and and if I start throwing out all this technical jargon about standard deviations, betas, and, you know, IRMA taxes, you know, people aren't going to get that. So you, know, you need somebody that breaks it down, that you feel comfortable with that explanation, and you know the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Because 
I say this all the time is that you can you can get an advisor that's super smart, knows all the rules, but and and knows how to get you to where you need to go, but if they can't explain it to you in a way that you understand, it's probably not the right advisor. Yeah, it's a huge one, I think, very much so. It's uh, such an important piece of the puzzle to have an educator guiding you along the way. Uh, Red flag number four, it would be an advisor who seems to have a high level of certainty about what's going to happen in the market in the immediate future. Boy, that's uh, it sure sounds nice when you're sitting across from somebody and they sound really confident about what's going to happen. That can be very infectious, but you probably won't have to wait very long to uh, to see that they were they were wrong on their prediction. I would guess. Yeah, I, I tell I I say this all the time that there's people that are on TV that get paid a lot more money than you and I do to be wrong all the time about the markets. Uh, <laughs> I love it. You know there there is. There, no one knows exactly what the markets are going to do. And like I've said many times on this podcast, you, you are, the markets are driven by news. You can't predict the news, thus you can't predict the markets. And I have a crystal ball in my conference room, and it has a little out-of-order sign on it. And it's there for the specific reason to point out the fact that we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. Because, you know, when when Trump was president and he was – you know, doing trade talks with China, he would tr- he would tweet out that trade talks are going great and the market would go up. He'd tweet out that trade talks are going bad and the market would go down. So there's no way you can predict that. So anybody that comes in there and says, hey, you know what, you know, we know exactly what's going to happen in the markets and this is exactly what we need to do, huge red flag, run for the door. Because like you said, you know, you're, it's not going to take long before you figure out they're going to more than likely be wrong. And this is your money, and this is your retirement and your financial security. So you can't be playing games with it. It's not just stocks either. I've got a great example here, Scott, on a uh, real estate show that I host um, with a couple of different real estate agents. It's uh, funny, we were just talking this past week, the National Association of Realtors had to revise their predictions for 2022. Um, mm-hmm. And they don't normally do a mid-year revision of their January predictions of how the year is going to play out. But they said this year was so extraordinary, they felt like they had to deliver new guidance. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not picking on them because, you know, their their job is to try and, I guess, make these predictions. And so, you know, predict, if you if you're at least clear that, hey, I'm making a prediction, but like, you know. I'm just guessing at some of these things, then that's okay. But it was so funny because they went back and looked at their original predictions from the beginning of the year, and they expected um, mortgage rates. The expectation, just back in January, even with inflation going crazy, mortgage rates were expected in their official release. This is the biggest you know, real estate group or organization in the country, was that they would be high threes by the end of the year. And, you know, here we are. We just eclipsed the 6% average mark in mid-June. Right, right, I mean, right. just completely blows that original prediction out of the water. So it just goes to show you it's so hard to tell and predict these major these major moves in, in any segment of the market. But that was just one, like, great example that – and I at least applaud them for, like, not hiding behind that prediction and saying, all right, so here's where we thought, and here's how it turned out. <laughs> Right, exactly. I mean, it, it's tough. You can't, you know, no matter what the industry is, you can't predict things. 
it's very hard to predict a lot of, you know, whether it's real estate or, or whether it's weather, as we see all the time, right? Uh, or the stock market or tax codes. I mean, you just can't predict these things. So we work with what we have. We use history as guidance and try to give us at least a path to go down and a strategy to deal with all the different types of variables that may pop in. Like, for instance, when we do a, a retirement plan, we run it through 1,000 different type of, of market scenarios because we don't know. So we'll run it through 1,000 different market scenarios, and we'll see how that financial plan holds up in those different types of scenarios. So then that way we can make an educated decision on how we go forward because we can't predict the future. Good points there, Scott. Absolutely. And I hope you have questions as you listen to today's show and you hear some of these red flags and these conversations. If you do indeed have those questions, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott. You can call 888-742-0111, 888-742-0111. Talk about your situation, get a review of your financial plan. You can even schedule a time to meet with Scott from your smartphone or computer by going to talktoscott.com. That's talktoscott.com. Schedule a time to visit from there. We'll put that contact info in the description of today's show so you can find it easily. Uh, One more point here. We have one more red flag to go over, Scott. This would be an advisor who spends more time talking than they do listening. I would would guess listening maybe is a a higher priority of your job than uh, actually doing the talking. Yeah, and I think this applies to a lot of different industries and a lot of different professions. You know, if you go to see the doctor and the doctor just talks the whole time and never asks you how you're feeling or anything like that, that's a huge red flag. When it comes to financial planning, the whole idea on what I want to do is I want to create a plan and a strategy that's going to work best for the client. And if I don't listen to what the client's needs, wants, and wishes are, I can't create that plan that's going to be able to help get them and satisfy those needs and wishes. So I think that a big part of my job is simply just listening, taking notes, and doing very little talking. And I think it's very, very, very important um, if you want an advisor that's going to craft a strategy that's going to meet your needs. Great points all around, Scott, and we appreciate you walking us through these red flags. Again, if you've noticed some of these red flags, maybe with an advisor that you work with or have interviewed, might be a good sign to seek a second opinion of your financial plan. If you've got additional questions for Scott, don't forget to reach out, talktoscott.com, or give him a call at 888-742-0111. More to come on today's show. We've got that question from Ruth on the way. Plus, up next, we're going to get to know Scott a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, so our fun question this month uh, comes to us uh, from the world of food, as you might imagine it would. We try to work food conversations into at least every other episode, it seems. Uh, What food did you love as a kid, Scott, that you now can't believe you actually ate it? Well, Walter, first of all, I love food. So, I mean, (laughs) in every podcast, if there's food in there, I'm, I'm quite fine with that. Um. But what food did you love as a kid that you can't believe you ate? Well, I would tell you I used to always, always love Spam when I was a kid. Oh, you were a Spam fan, huh? I was. You know what? My favorite meal 
was simply taking sliced spam, frying it up in a in a skillet with some mac and cheese. I kind of wow. mix them together yeah. and yeah. bind them together. I've heard some people eat that before. Yeah. And then, and then as an adult, I've had it, and I couldn't believe how salty it was. <laughs> oh wow! And and uh, but yeah, that's something I've not had spam in probably twenty something years. Uh, it and you know what? Maybe you know. Part of me says maybe I should just try it again because I used to eat it all the time. I used to love it, but uh, it's very salty, and my wife has no interest in eating it so you know that's kind of a little bit of a roadblock right there yeah that's uh that's very true and i i guess yeah spam just gets a bad rap but then people who really like spam are very passionate about it for sure yeah i mean there's there's a lot of spam followers yeah yeah that's very true there's a reason they call the emails that you get that you don't want spam oh absolutely yeah <laughs> there, definitely a reason for it right <laughs> Oh, man. I would say uh, if I had to pick one, I have two. I once had uh, cereal with Diet Coke in it mm. because we were out of milk, and but I really wanted cereal. That was a bad mm. choice. I can't believe it. I, I ate the bowl, but uh, it was not pleasant. It wasn't great, but I still can't believe I actually went through with eating it. And then the other thing, um, I thought this was just like a, a me thing, but it's apparently got a name, and other people, other people like have talked about doing this, but like ice cream soup, letting ice cream just melt to where it's just basically really, really thick milk. And mm -hmm. then, you know, if it had chunks of stuff in it, then you're getting the chunkiness in with that milk. Like, you know, if it had chocolate right. chips or something like that, just kind of drinking melted ice cream. As so I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't find that being super weird. No, I would still do it today, actually. So I don't know if that applies to this, uh, to this question, because if you can't believe you ate it as a kid, it implies you probably wouldn't do it today. Well, you know, and I, I, I admit I've probably done that within the last few months. The kids will leave the, <laughs> there you go. Leave, yeah. leave the, they'll leave their ice cream bowls out, and they haven't finished it, and then it's kind of all melted in there, and then oh, you're, just, so you're even getting it from from the from the kids. If they don't oh, finish theirs, you'll you'll polish it off. Well, because it's just sitting there, and I'm cleaning up after them, like of course we all do you after our well, kids, right? So, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, I, that actually, Walter, I think you're quite normal. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, the one other thing I used to put Oreos in my cereal, like whole whole Oreos, and just kind of like let them let them get all mixed up in with the cereal and that kind of thing. That was, and that was pretty and bad you, looking back. <laughs> you would never known that they would one day come out with Oreo cereal. I know, right? I was onto <laughs> something when I was a kid. I think, yeah. Oh man, so unhealthy, but uh, but good stuff nonetheless. All right, well, let's get to one of our listener questions. Ruth has a good one for us today. Let's jump into it. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, so you can submit your questions online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. Look for the contact form. Uh, Ruth says, there's no way I'm going to spend through my savings during my life, so I'll end up leaving a lot to my kids. But they'll probably be in their late uh, 40s or 50s when that happens. I feel like they could use the money more now while they're in their 20s and 30s to help with things like student loan payoff and home purchases. Should I start giving away money to them now? Ruth, that's a very good question, and there's a lot of different ways we can go with it. And first, I'll start with the fact that um, you know, if you want to give your kids money while you're still alive, which some people don't, um, you certainly can start giving your money away. 
you can start there's limitations per person that you know on how much you can give but you can start to give your money away and help them out while they're you know why they can still enjoy it and i hear that a lot from clients and they say well i'd rather see my kids enjoy the money while i'm living instead of enjoying it after i'm dead so there's there's a lot to be said about that and that's that's a personal choice but you can certainly do that and it also depends a lot on what type of account you have your money in like if you're like most americans and you've saved a lot of your money in your retirement plans well, then just simply gifting them that money creates taxes for you and before you even give them any money. So that may be a case where we say, okay, well, maybe we start looking at Roth conversions and things like that so that when they receive that money, it's going to be tax-free. So they're not going to have to pay taxes on that money. They can get that IRA money from you tax-free and that'll save them a lot and then we can look at other areas where we can start to gift them or maybe we do take a little bit of withdrawal from that ira to give them some money so it depends on on what your wishes are a lot of people give money away to the kids while they're living like i said because they want to see them enjoy it but at the same time you have to be smart depending on the types of accounts that you have and make sure you manage everything the right way and you know what, Ruth, if you, you, know, you want to go to www.talktoscott.com, set up a 15-minute phone call with me, I'm more than happy to walk through your situation and maybe give you some different ideas. Great question, Ruth, and that goes for anybody you want to see if you might be a good fit to work with Scott to help troubleshoot some of your financial or retirement planning um, problems, issues, challenges, and uh, get on the right track in regards to all of those elements. Scott can help you do that. All you have to do is pick up the phone, give him a call at 888-742-0111, or again, very easily, you can schedule online, talktoscott.com, the place to go, talktoscott.com. And uh, you can schedule right from your smartphone or computer. We'll put that link in the description of today's show so you can easily access it. Scott, thanks for filling us in on the red flags, for helping Ruth out, talking a little bit of food. And uh, we'll look forward to another great show with you next time. I always enjoy it, Walter. Good times. Another podcast in the books. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see everybody next time right back here on the Retirement Toolbox. Go Guardians. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.